I can't believe you made me tell that joke. <laughs> now, I, now, I'm in a shame spiral right now. Yeah, yeah, it's all on record. I don't feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am your host for today. Uh, you can call me Todd Conklin because that is what people mostly call me. Well, there's other names. I definitely know there are other names. Uh, but that's the one that seems suitable and right for this podcast. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. If it's your first podcast, um, man, you're joining a, quite an exciting little community of thought. A lot of people listen and think and respond back. And as you guys know... You can always respond. Always drop me an email if you have comments. I got a bunch of comments actually this week I should probably talk about. Maybe I'll do that uh, uh, close to the end of the podcast. This podcast um, is going to be a pretty fun podcast. I'm actually really looking forward to all the joy and excitement that this podcast will bring to the world um, because, you know, that's what I do. That's my thing. That's my deal. And uh, that's how I do it. You could hear by the beginning of uh, this podcast. So this podcast is recorded. Um, we're taking Sydney Decker from San Ramon, California, the San Ramon Valley Conference Center, which is a, a place that's near and dear to my heart, where uh, uh, Sydney did a masterclass on just um, culture. And he had, uh, gosh, I, I, Stepped in for a little bit. I wasn't able to go to it, but but it looked like there were 30 people or so uh, sort of surrounding him, and, and they were having a pretty raucous discussion around the idea of culture and defining culture. And, and actually, they, they ended the class with kind of looking at and trying to create a uh, sort of a, a culpability matrix-like thing for just culture because the premise was the culpability matrix – um, James Reason's culpability matrix, you're very familiar with it, I'm sure, uh, starts with the notion that the worker is guilty and then we prove the worker innocent. And in a just culture, it, it probably would be the other way around. Uh, you'd start by assuming all people are sort of equal and and innocent, I guess. And then you would actually use the culpability matrix or this just culture matrix. Well, it doesn't really matter what we call it because they didn't get one done. Um, but you'd use this uh, this ethereal matrix that lives in the in the sky um, to actually determine and think about justness. And it was a pretty good discussion. And out of it um, came the chance to uh, to actually take uh, Sidney Decker into his next meeting, which has a whole other uh, associated story around it involving tugboats and and uh, uh, changing schedules, and we can talk, we can talk about that someday as well. But uh, that, that that gave us a couple hours in San Francisco traffic to chat, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to actually grab Sydney and talk to him about his new book. Uh, the new book is called The Safety Anarchist, and it's really interesting. It's probably worthwhile to kind of define the notion of anarchist early. I, he'll do it as well. But an anarchist, by by sort of a classic definition, if we look at sort of a historical definition of, the, of what people sort of determined that the word anarchist symbolizes, uh, it really is a person who rebels against any authority, any established order, or any ruling power. And anarchists are different than anarchy. Um, 
In fact, quite different. Uh, an anarchist is somebody who says there is another way. Now, they can actually push it towards anarchy, um, but that's kind of not what the book does. And so we got a chance to really sit down and, and, and talk about this in the backseat of a, a car, zooming. Well, I don't know if zooming is a word you could use in the Bay Area um, at 5.30 p.m. I think that's probably not a word you use. Parking on uh, major roads, slowly moving one inch at a time towards San Francisco, which is which is what we did. And so there's a little car noise, but I, th- I think that's fine. I mean, it, it gives the... It gives the podcast depth and character. And isn't that why we listen for depth and character, both of those things? And they're both here, so it's it's the perfect podcast. We have a great conversation. It, it's, um, it's interesting, too, because if you've read the reviews on this book, uh, for instance, in, on Amazon, the first review of this book is, is not terribly, um, what's the word, complimentary of Dr. Decker and his writing. But I think on purpose, he put that review in and he's going to, he's going to talk about this review as sort of a way to build this case around the notion of pushing against power of, of being an anarchist. And, um, it's a bold move. It's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a very good book. It's, it's, um, it's one of my favorites of all the books that have come out recently. I, I like this one a lot. Uh, mostly because I think it's 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 a book that that sort of talks towards the maturity of how this new view, um, the safety differently stuff, the hop stuff that we're all working with, has has kind of started having. And you know this is true because you know this summer at the in the United States at the ASSE meeting they did the big um, sort of new view versus behavioral based safety. Um, the thing between Scott Geller and I, and, and that was great and fun and stuff. But what it really indicates to me is kind of a mainstream acceptance of the new view. And what's interesting is as this mainstream acceptance becomes more and more, the notion that we are Antarchists, um, uh, anarchists, I, I was going to say Antarctica, but that would be a slip. Antarctica, I, I can't even say it. Anarchists. Um, kind of goes away because as this gains more and more traction in the sort of legitimate world of how people think about providing safe and reliable systems for everything, then then the challenge will become in actually taking these ideas and using them to move the world forward. And that's kind of where this book is, if that makes sense to you. I, th- I think you'll find it very interesting. I know you'll find the podcast interesting. It's, it's quite good. And, um, and and that's kind of the lowdown blowdown of what's going on here. We're we're now deep in December and heading towards the end of the year and into 2018, which is uh, somewhat unbelievable to me. But uh, there's probably not much we can do to stop it. It's happening no matter what we think. And so this is a pretty good place to actually put this podcast because if you're looking for some holiday reading, this might be something you can pick up and, and actually read. It's, it's, it's interesting and it's good. And I like it. I like it a lot. It, um, it, it it's, 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 it's good. <laughs> it really, um, I like it because it kind of supports the, the things I've been most recently thinking about as it relates to workplace fatalities and the, and the new book I have out. It's a really nice, 
uh, companion piece with that. It's a really good foundational sort of piece upon which you can build this idea around looking at serious injuries, fatalities, catastrophic failures, and, and all of those things. Um, it, it's a great conversation, and we had a great time. And we successfully made it to San Francisco. And in case you're wondering, neither of us are driving. So it, we were in a really good, we were even in the back seat. So we were in a really good place to have this conversation. And, and I think you'll like it. Listen carefully because um, there's a lot of funny stuff in it. And I think you'll enjoy it. So, so this is Sidney Decker. And he's talking about his, his newest book, The Safety Anarchist. And uh, listen carefully because I think you'll like it. I'll talk to you more. But until then, enjoy. So, so Todd, I think one of the most difficult things of the, of the safety anarchist is, is, is to try to find this, this balance, right? So I've been at this for, what, 20-something years. And in, in the beginning, it was real easy because all I had to do was just be the rebel and, and contradict and be contrary and, and show a different way. And, and that was, in some sense, a recipe that was, was great to make some people angry, but also great to get some get some traction with these ideas um and now so you know 20 20 years into doing this stuff um some people are taking me for mainstream in this and 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 follow this type of idea as as the way to go and in a sense um part of me has been trying to adapt to that to that to that role which is no longer the rebel but rather the the sort of the authority that i used to make fun of and 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 um and call their bluff and here i am and so part of me doesn't know how to behave and i think um the book the safety anarchist is clear evidence of that because the sheer title is probably a bad idea (laughs) so uh i I was uh i was challenged on this though uh you know why not the safety heretic uh why the safety anarchist and I mean that actually has a has a has a substantive answer to it. Um, I mean, a heretic is somebody who has a dogma to put in opposition to another dogma, and that's not what's going on in this book, right? The the this is the whole idea is that safety in a complex system is itself so complex that that trying to close that off through dogma and rules and procedures that follow forth from that dogma. Um, it's probably not a very useful way to make safety happen in a, or to create safety in a system like that. So anarchism is, of course, very different from anarchy, but we can talk, that, talk about that in a minute. But um, so, so when I got some feedback about these ideas, it actually showed, I think, quite dramatically how, how these ideas split, split groups, split the room and, and create um, and anything uh, that doesn't resemble unity and harmony, <laughs> but certainly creates debate. And so I, I have to read to you one of the pieces of feedback that I got. Well, two, actually, because they show the opposition. And so um, and they're actually on the back cover of the book now, which is pretty cool. I mean, I think that on part of the publisher, that's that's very cool. So the um, the first one is, um, is goes as follows. Having been a safety professional for 28 years, I am absolutely appalled at this man's attitude toward the safety profession. My work colleagues and I could not believe it when he referred to health and safety professionals as safety Nazis and to HR as human remains. Does this man honestly believe that 250 years after the Industrial Revolution, safety professionals have made little or no difference in reducing the risk of injury? and workplaces what a disgrace 
And then he goes on to say that if a worker gets killed at work, he must still have been a good worker. Is he serious? I was absolutely gobsmacked at this comment. What a waste of money. Let's hope he never returns to our state. And so that was the kind of feedback <laughs> where uh, <laughs> at least you've... You've reached someone's heart and mind, I suppose, right? Yeah, most that, people don't put that on the back of their book. I mean, I'm just your bowl. Uh, most people would not put that on. The, on the other hand, if I were to read read that, I I would go, that, that might be an interesting book. Yeah, true. Uh, but right underneath, um, uh, here's, here's other feedback. Best work on health and safety I have ever seen. Thoroughly researched, real-life examples, uh, and common sense. Decker avoids all the usual garbage and bureaucraties that is so counterproductive to safety and which completely bedevils the safety profession and regulators alike. Right? And so, now, I cannot tell you or your listeners whom they should believe, but you know, the fact that there's probably both, probably both. Um, and so, but, but back to the original, uh, I mean, the, the, the start of this, uh, of, of, of my, my lamentation here, um, is this is probably not a very smart way to say I'm now part of the establishment (laughs) right? with a book entitled The Safety Anarchist. It's so interesting to me too. Um, What what is it that motivates you to write these? I mean, is this 15, 16? How many books is this for you? I've honestly lost count um, because I don't really read them. Um, So, but um, I think Eleven or twelve, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what what motivates me to write this particular one, um, or or to write in general? I love to write. I really like writing. It's one of these things where I um, where I lose myself. I lose track of time, and um, and 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 there's not always. Um, sometimes it's a chore, but um, certainly I, uh, I I love love the activity of writing. But I, in all lack of modesty hope assume that i've got something to say and to share and and that um there is a only a limited intellectual scholarly basis for what we consider safety differently or safety too and i am I'm, I'm in a position where i can contribute to that basis for people to think differently about this stuff and in some sense, I feel that very much as a responsibility to to keep doing this and to keep to keep feeding the um, the thinking and the the, the 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 critique and the ideas that might one day uh, replace what we today might see as common sense. Um, and so that, in general, when it comes to the um, the safety anarchist, um, I part of me wrote this out of sheer disgust sheer disgust with the incredible over-bureaucratization of safety as we've seen it in many domains. Um, the fact that we have, have work areas now where you know one out of ten people is watching what the other nine are doing, right? or, or even a, a, a worse ratio, one in five is watching what the other four are doing. The, um, the amount of money that we have invested in compliance activities and, um, and uh, uh, m- monitoring what other people are doing is mind-boggling. Um, and so if, if it were generating great results, you know, then wonderful. You won't hear me. But as we all know, many industries are flatlined. Fatalities are not reducing in construction. They're not reducing in shipping. They're not reducing in a host of other industries. And so 
apparently the more bureaucracy and rules and compliance we throw at this problem, um, it it's not getting smaller. It's not going away. Um, and and that is you know you can put numbers on these things and 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 the amount of bureaucracy that we're throwing at safety is certainly more than doubled over the last ten years, in terms of rules and and compliance demands, many of which are internal to the organizations themselves, by the way. Um, and so, I then go, well, hang on, there's got to be another way to think about this. As long as we keep doing more of the same, we'll keep getting more of the same, right? We're not going to get something different. There's not going to be a qualitative shift at some point where where our system goes, oh, I've got so much bureaucracy now. All right, let me produce different results. Right? That's not going to happen. The, the crazy thing, though, and, and this is what I think is so interesting, is that a, a classic anarchist would just want to tear the system down. Right. I mean, just just burn, burn, burn her down. I mean, I, I don't know if you're following politics in the United States, but there's a little bit of that element of sort of t- tear the system down. What's interesting to me is that that's that's really not your goal. You'll tear the system down, but only really to prove the bigger, more moral point. And and that, to me, is what makes this book so interesting. This is a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, summary, actually. Thank you for for flagging it that way, because you're right. That's not the kind of anarchism that I um, that I presume to advocate for in this book. Anarchism is very different from anarchy. Let's start there, right? Anarchy is a state of affairs. Um, anarchism is a set of ideas and ide- ideals, right? So ideas and ideals about horizontal coordination, about bottom-up innovation, about listening to peers, about understanding that collectively we can solve problems better than some top-down uh, 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 structure. Um, and and you're right. I don't argue for safety anarchists as people who need to tear things down and throw bombs um, because anarchism in fact has a very proud intellectual and even practical history that has got nothing to do with with bomb throwing and, and, and tearing things down. In this case, I mean anarchists or safety anarchists in my book are people who trust people more than process right? Who, who rely on horizontally coordinating their experiences and their expertise and and want to innovate together from the bottom up. Um, and yes, there are people who push back against um, uh, inane or asinine compliance demands, of which we have enough, um, right? Coercive compliance, you shall do this, otherwise you get fired, that type of thing. Right. Um, and, and ultimately, I think people who are, who are actively willing to recover the dignity of work as it is actually done by those who do it every day. Uh, rather than being told by those who um, who don't do the work, and in some sense make rules not to make the life of people easier or safer, but make rules to protect themselves from liability, and and so you know we get so much in workplaces today where we ask workers to do things that do nothing to improve their work, that do nothing to enhance their safety, but that are simply in place to protect those they work for, and I think that's that's almost immoral. I would agree. And that sort of leads me, this is a question of technique. So when you really do sort of rile somebody up, when, when you piss people off, what's your, what's your response to that? How, how, do you, how do you manage that so that it, it becomes meaningful and forward-moving and purposeful and mindful? I think your, um, your question is pregnant with its own answer. Um, it's a bad idea. It's it's. This is why I'm not a consultant. 
right? I'm not sure. I mean, I would, I would actually, I would, I would actually suggest I don't think it is a bad idea because I think it it elicits passion, and it and it really breaks. The problem is, is that the, there's such a confirmation bias in in this field to to sort of see what we've always seen, and then to prove ourselves right by going out and finding the problems that we can point to and say, aha, that's what makes it wrong. I think that emotional charge, that, that, that pushing people to an edge where they're sort of beyond comfortableness is actually a pretty important technique. And, and I think you use it quite well. I, I'm, I'm just curious when's enough enough and how do you, how do you take that and then turn it into, into ways to actually teach and share and grow and improve. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think the medium, and, and thanks for, for explicating that better. I think the um, a book as a medium, you could easily argue that you know it's never extreme enough because it's it's it really allows people and challenges them to think um, beyond the comfort zone to to push the thoughts all the way out there. Um, and that doesn't mean that that's where everybody should be moving. That's probably a bad idea, but at least it shows the space for. Um, for, for maneuver, right? As in the, the, the space that we could enter into and explore something of, only if, if only a small part of that space. And so when it comes to a book, uh, which can be read at your own pace, which, which anyway is about the relationship between what's in the text and the reader, much more than the relationship between me and the text. Um, within that relationship between the reader and the text, all kinds of things happen. Ideas get born. People might get angry. They might feel very fired up and confirmed in what they already believed. Finally, get someone else to get to put words on on what they've always experienced. And so, I think a book can fulfill all those purposes. If I'm and and you know we've been in these in these settings together, right? Uh, it, if if we're in the, in the, in a room full of VPs of a of an organization that has the potential to hurt people or has hurt people. Um, then I won't call myself a safety anarchist. That that's probably not very conducive to a discussion that leads somewhere. Um, and so, given given the audience, um, modulating the message uh, definitely is, is 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 the way to go. I'm not sure you can, and I think I completely agree with you. I'm just not sure you can politely discuss something as passionate as sort of the definition of operational safety. And have the same impact you can have when you basically call their baby ugly, and and I think that's interesting. No, no, you're you're right, you're right, and 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 I always reserve even in those discussions with the with with you know VPs as we've had, you know that I reserve space in the discussion for staking out those positions, all right, and then qualifying them and don't believe a word of what I say or this is very extreme. You don't, of course, you're not going to go all the way. However, just let me show you how far this could be taken, right? That and and then encourage some steps toward that. Um, that's appropriate. No, you're right. You're right. And I am passionate about this. I do get I do get upset with people who think that taking one particular moral position in this or just punishing others or more rules and procedures will solve it for them. Um, that we actually sit on so much evidence that that is not a very fruitful position to take any longer in many mature industries. Um, that I, I do get passionate about that. And and to be sure, it's not just a book of anger. I mean, there's a lot of intellectual history in it that, that um, you know, thanks to guys like Bob Weirs, who, 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 um, who unfortunately passed away not long ago, but who, who got me on to 
the whole idea of authoritarian high modernism as as, as what drives our th- and that's a big word but what it really means is that we've invested so much belief and confidence in centralizing control in standardizing through procedures and rules and in massive surveillance as the main solutions to how to solve the safety problem um, that I felt compelled to dig into some intellectual history and say, so where have we done this before as humanity? And where does this actually come out of? Why does this, why does this make sense? Because the people who are behind the creation of those systems, they come to work to do a good job too, right, as they understand it. And so I, I certainly gave that lots of airtime. And, and, and so when you read the book, you will discover some of that intellectual history, why it makes sense for us to think that those modern approaches of centralizing and, 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 and standardizing and surveilling um, is, is, is the way to create greater safety. So what's next? You've got movie. You've got books. You do these great learning gatherings. What's next? Where, where are you going from here? There's always the next book, um, and, and so because that's my commitment to my, to my fan base, that I write them quicker than they can read them. And so, um, you and Stephen King, <laughs> uh, but he actually can can live off of doing that, and and I, I can't, and so that's very unfair. Um, I mean, not not not. I suppose it's unfair to me, not to him. But uh, <laughs> but the um, uh, but yeah, there is something to that. Um, so a couple of things. One is uh, uh, we've um, and this is in part encouraged also by earlier conversations you and I have had. Um, there's um, there's an increasing desire to to listen rather than read and so the first audiobook should come out um very soon the end of heaven is now uh we've recorded it it's being sound engineered and should be out with audibles uh very soon and um hopefully i'll get the rights for safety anarchist the audio rights uh very soon as well and so those of you who don't want to read the safety anarchist you can drive to work and listen to me blabbing it instead and so which is a wonderful challenge so these are new things to learn from me because you got to stay within a very narrow db range in order to do an audiobook right so you can't go berserk um and and you have to stage whisper and things like that. so that's that's cool we'll be working on a new movie but we'll we'll talk about that later as well um and so and again there'll be there'll be more books gracias por su tiempo thanks for your time buddy anything else any final words to the crowd um, I love you right back. I think that, that's what you would say, right? I love you more. I love you more. Um, no, keep keep reading and keep the faith. Um, the the obstacles uh, to doing this thing well and and um, thinking about safety differently and getting other people to um, to gain some new insights in this. Um, thinking about ways to create a just learning culture in your own organization. It's it's hard. It is hard. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy. But, and this is to all the listeners, right? If you don't do it, then who will? All right. So keep the faith. Keep at it. Another podcast in the can. No, I don't, that sounds negative. On the computer. That's uh, that's more of a digital thing to say. Wasn't that a good one? <laughs> it, was, it was a great conversation. It was really fun to hear him talk about the thinking around the book and and what the book means and what it says it's a keeper i mean it's it's probably it's probably up there with the field guide i mean it's it's that good and and he's just dealing with the fact that that um 
you know, as as these ideas become more and more accepted, that the the transition that we make from troublemaker to problem solver um, is is really an important transition. And I really appreciate something amazing about Decker, and then I'll kind of quit gushing because I'm a little gushy. But it's his it's his it's his reliance on hope and optimism. I think that I find most encouraging, and and maybe that's because I I think about him and I spend time with him and talk to him. But I hope you guys get that out of there too, because he's really an optimistic guy, and and his dreams and aspirations for what the future means are built upon things like restoration and hope, and and really truth, uh, you know, uh, uh, the opposite of pain, uh, whatever that is. And, th- and that's a really important way to think about sort of how Decker moves through this. I, this, this was a fun podcast. It's definitely, definitely one that I bet you listen to a couple times for sure. Cause that's a good part of what's happening here. That's pretty much it for today. Um, we could take it longer, but know, it's kind of hard to beat what he just said is a pretty good conclusion. Be brave, you guys. Be brave, be brave, be brave. I hope you get what you need. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Learn something new every single day. Bet you did today, actually. And for goodness sakes, be safe. How many Kleenexes does one car need?